Hi-ho, everyone. This is episode 14 of Cinescope, and it's The Muppet Show with our very special guest, Miss Rachel Herrick. Yay! Welcome to Cinescope, where our goal is not to criticize or to assign ratings, but rather to celebrate the movies we love, exploring story, characters, music, and relevance to the world around us. I'm your host, Chad Hopkins, and joining me today is Rachel Herrick to talk about one of our favorite films, The Muppets. Rachel, how are you doing? I am awesome. How are you doing? I am doing great. And you know, I actually have Kermit the Frog here with us. Hi-ho, everyone. Hello, Kermit. (laughs) Oh, he looks adorable. Yes, he, he's all geared up. He's got his headphones on. He's got his microphone ready to go. And we're all ready to talk about this movie. But first, not everybody here knows who you are. So how about you introduce us to you, Rachel? Okay, thank you. Um, Hello, people. My name is Rachel, and I have been working on mouse music for over a year. I have to go back and think about how long it's been, probably a year, year and a half, which I guess is how we kind of all know each other. I've been doing podcasts with Will, but he also knows me because he interviewed me from doing my Muppet reviews on my uh, YouTube channel, Adorkable Rachel. And back in the day, it was only Muppet stuff. Now I also do um, movie reviews and I do analyzations of different uh, spots of media from my childhood and also just uh, talking about movies, um, lots of different things that I do on there. It tends to be very nerdy and, and adorkable, as I'd say to people. <laughs> so that's what I do, at least in the internet world. But in the rest of my time, I'm also a puppeteer uh, in Los Angeles and I also do voiceover. So that's kind of like the three main things that I do, apart from like all little spots of little things that I do in my life. But uh, to get in a nutshell, that is basically what I do. Awesome. And, you know, we were just talking, I've been a longtime listener of Mouse Music since the beginning. And, you know, that's where uh, Chris Linden, who came on and talked about Pinocchio with me, is from. And he runs his own Disney Chris site. And Mm -hmm. then there's Will and Ian, who came on and talked to Lincoln with me. And they've both been involved with Sideshow and with mouse music, of course, as well. So I'm, I'm glad to have another member of the Sideshow team and family come onto the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And I'm excited to talk with you about this movie because I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> oh, so do I. This is like my one of my favorite Muppet films. So I'm so excited about it. But first, I do have a little giveaway to finish up. This did run all the way through October. Everybody who left a review for the show on iTunes was entered into this. And so we've got 21 possible choices, and I've got a randomizer right here. I'm going to click pick a random name right now, and uh, here we go. So the winner of this giveaway is Through the Crate. So thank you, Through the Crate, for leaving a review. Thank you, all of you, for leaving a review. Through the Crate, you have one week to contact me via email, via Twitter, via Facebook, So you can choose your movie choice, the format, and so you can let me know how to get it to you. Congratulations to the crate. Yeah. The only problem is if you take more than a week to contact me, then I'm going to have to uh, randomize the list again and find somebody else to give it to. So uh, make sure to contact me as quickly as you can. Thanks again, everybody, for participating and continue to share the show with friends, continue to write and review. And if you don't use iTunes for podcasts, yeah, go ahead, hop over there, subscribe just to give us a little bit of a boost. Uh, It means a lot to the show, and it helps us to find new listeners. So thank you all very much. 
Now, Rachel, I am ready, so ready to talk about The Muppets. Me too. Let's do it. Yes, I'm so ready. (laughs) Okay. So this movie did come out on November 23rd of 2011, Thanksgiving weekend. It was directed by James Bobbin, who's known from Flight of the Concords, Muppets Most Wanted, the sequel to this movie, and the recent Alice Through the Looking Glass. It was written by Jason Siegel and Nicholas Stoller. The music, the score was by Christoph Beck, who of course also scored Frozen and went on to score the sequel, Muppets Most Wanted, and Edge of Tomorrow, and Ant-Man, and the Peanuts movie, and most recently Trolls. He's been working for a long time, but he's really come into prominence the past few years, and uh, we're all the better off for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, yes we are. Most of the songs here were composed by Brett McKenzie, also from Flight of the Concords, and he went on to, again, write the music for the sequel, Muppets Most Wanted. There was one song called Pictures in My Head that was written by Jeannie Lurie, Eris Arcantis, and Chen Neiman. So that's the music for this movie, and it's all fantastic. The movie does star Jason Segel, Amy Adams, Chris Cooper, Rashida Jones, and Jack Black, and our Muppet performers are Steve Whitmire, Eric Jacobson, Dave Goles... Bill Beretta, David Rudman, Matt Vogel, and Peter Linz as newcomer Walter. So, Rachel, we always start off, what was your first experience with this movie? Or with Muppets in general? I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well. So, Sure. Um, I mean, with the Muppets in general, I mean, I grew up watching the Muppets, especially, I don't remember exactly what the first thing I watched was, but I do remember watching the Muppet Christmas Carol every year, and I still do to this day. But my parents specifically, especially my mom, really got us into watching The Muppets because in the 90s at some point they were showing reruns of The Muppet Show on Nickelodeon. So I remember my mom would tape them and we'd watch them and I just thought they were hilarious. And, you know, I fell in love with Kermit and Miss Piggy and Fozzie and all those characters. And I didn't really think about doing puppetry at all until, like, high school. Like, small backstory, like, the Muppets did not get me originally into doing puppetry. That was a whole other story on its own. But, you know, I loved I loved the Muppets. I also grew up watching a lot of puppet shows because there was a puppet theater in Seattle where I grew up. So I think for just the longest time, I was kind of in an obscure, weird place where I didn't know if I wanted to do puppetry because I experimented with it for a long time. It was this movie that honestly, that really got me into the idea of going back into it. Because I remember it came out Thanksgiving weekend 2011. And I was working at an agency, I was not having the best time there. Um, My boyfriend and I decided to go check out the movie. And I was like, of course, I love the Muppets. Like I would want to go see what they've, you know, it's been a while since I've like watched anything with them. Let's go check it out. And I think that initially coming from that movie, I got so much more out of it than I imagined I would because it brought back so much nostalgia of you know how much I do love the Muppets inside my heart even though I didn't realize at the time how much I really did appreciate them and love them because it really is a a movie of nostalgia which we can talk more about but I think that that's really when I realized you know what I really miss puppeteering and this movie kind of opened my eyes to what puppetry can do in movies and television and it just kind of got me on the path of thinking about doing that again so that's kind of where it started so that's kind of like my big emotional story with this movie um from there everything just kind of snowballed for me at least as far as being a puppeteer that's really cool so this movie really sort of affected you in a major way uh like lifestyle choices and big decisions and all that that's really cool yeah for me i grew up i didn't watch a lot of the older Muppet stuff. I probably saw the original Muppets movie a couple times. 
I don't think I ever really watched the TV show, but I did have Muppet Treasure Island on VHS as a kid. Mm -hmm. And that got a lot of screen time at my house. And, you know, growing up, getting into college even, my best friend and I, Muppet Treasure Island was a staple. Like, almost weekly, uh, we were watching that at least once. Uh, it's just mm -hmm. such a funny movie. It was my favorite Muppets movie for a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's a it's a great film. Yeah, and hopefully maybe you can come back and we can talk about that some other time. I would be. I would love to. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that movie so much. And so most of my love from the Muppets does stem from that movie. I've gone back since and I've watched a lot of the older ones and I enjoy them just as much. But Muppet Treasure Island is what always stuck with me. And that being said, I think Muppet Treasure Island was what pretty much the last theatrical film that we got from the Muppets until this one. Is that about right? Or maybe a couple of TV specials? Uh, there was one more. Oh, Muppets in Space came out. Exactly. There was Muppets from Space because, um, I'm excuse me, I'm a bit of a Muppet nerd. Um, <laughs> so the yeah, Muppet Treasure Island came out in '96, and then there was Muppets from Space in '99, and then 11 years went by before we got the Muppets. So that's like a big gap before we finally got another Muppets film. But that's kind of why I think that that film was such a big deal when it came out because it was the first one in so long. Right. So thank you for reminding me. Um, I think I did see Muppets in Space when it did come out in theaters, but I don't have a lot of memories of that one either. So when it was announced that Jason Siegel, of all people, was bringing back the Muppets in this big way, I was a little skeptical, wasn't overly familiar with Jason Siegel's work at the time, but man, did he deliver here. Yeah. I saw this movie opening weekend on Thanksgiving Day, I believe. I saw it with my best friend and both of our families, and we both laughed an embarrassingly large amount in the theater. <laughs> we were hysterically laughing and we were cry laughing in some points. So that being said, I love this movie. I love it so much. It replaced Muppet Treasure Island pretty much right off the bat as my favorite, even though that will always hold fond memories in my heart. The Muppets is my favorite Muppets movie at this point in my life. It was just everything I wanted in a new Muppets film. It was, it was nostalgic. It was self-referential. It was heartwarming. And overall, it was gut-bustingly funny in many, many moments. It really was. And when I say I got so much out of it, like I expected to go and be entertained, but I didn't expect to walk away. You know, like I said, I didn't expect to walk away being so emotional about it or to, it really delivered, I think what it was supposed to, which was, it was really supposed to be a nostalgia trip for people who grew up with it or for people who were super familiar with it. And it was also meant to introduce, you know, kids at the time to this you know, franchise that they'd probably never seen before. And it really, I think, did a better job of all of that than I think even Disney expected it to do. And I don't know if that's because of Jason Segel or the writing or the music or a combination of everything. It probably is, really. But like I said, that's what really... I, when I remember watching the movie and just, like, all these little parts, like, all these characters would come up and it would just make me go, like, oh, yeah, I remember that character. Oh, yeah, I remember this character. Oh, yeah, the Muppets do that kind of humor, don't they? And, yeah, they do sing when they're working and doing things, like, you know, because it's very self-referential, of course. And, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it, it, like I said, it just... So many of us who I think grew up with it, it really brings back the memories. And that's, like, especially, I think, what made it so impactful. Right. And it had been so long since a major Muppets release that they had all but fallen into obscurity. Probably the biggest thing we'd gotten in between that gap between Muppets in Space and the Muppets was the Bohemian Rhapsody music video on YouTube. They did have a bunch of um, uh, TV specials, but right. they were kind of, they're, they're kind of meh. I mean, <laughs> to put it in one word, they were meh. There was like meh, one yeah. I liked a lot, but the, the other ones are kind of, eh, you're not missing too much. <laughs> yeah. And so th this film really plays up that 
yeah, we've been gone for a long time, but we're back. And that that's what the story's about. That's what the, the that's what the whole thing's about and they did it so fantastically. Mm-hmm. Um so let let's talk about the story just a little bit. What about the story do you like here? Well, you know what's interesting is I think I talked about this in my official review of it too. I remember going into it with not too much context about the movie. I I mean, I knew that Jason Segel and Amy Adams were in it, but I didn't really like know like what part they played or like the character of Walter. I wasn't too familiar with with him. But when the movie started, it started out as Walter's story. And, you know, we find out that Walter is this fan of the Muppets and, like, he's, like, this super fan. And I think originally I thought, like, well, that's kind of weird. Like, why would you have, like, a fan of a franchise? Like, I think in my mind that was, like, isn't that kind of like having a Star Wars fan in a Star Wars movie? That just sounds (laughs) kind of weird. But I think that as the movie went on, I got more adapted to the idea. And then later on, I also realized, well, you know what, actually, it kind of works, though, because, well, it doesn't kind of work, it does work, because the Muppets are very, you know, self aware, like I said, they're very, you know, like, oh, go along on this ride with us. And so it made sense to actually kind of have this world where like the Muppets are this franchise, and they are this like performance troupe, and that they do have fans. And it was like you were saying, this movie is about like kind of like how the Muppets were down the dumps and then they kind of like rose back to popularity. And it's just interesting how that really does mirror how they were in the real world too. You know, like Disney was just like not shy at all about the fact that the Muppets have not been very popular in the past like 10 some odd years. And they haven't, you know, they used to be like on top of the world and now they're not anymore. So that was kind of like about them getting back together and just trying to, it wasn't really so much about getting back to being famous. It was about in the story, you know, they're trying to revive their theater or try to save their theater from being torn down, which I think, you know, makes you want to fight for the little guy a little bit more, uh-huh. but it just, the, the way it's delivered, you know, especially with Walter and his story and how he sees the Muppets. I think that that just kind of makes us go along with the ride a lot more. And it makes us feel for the characters more, just the way that they deliver everything, like from Kermit's point of view to Walter's point of view to, everybody yeah i mean it just like i said it really hit me in the feels a lot more than i thought it would yeah and speaking to walter sort of starting off this movie i was hooked from the very beginning yes it was very different for me but they established from the very very beginning scene the gary walter relationship and their love for the muppets i mean that's like the very first thing that's sort of drilled into our heads these guys are brothers they're best friends and they love the muppets Mm -hmm. and so going on from there we are gary and walter i mean that's us. We we would yeah. we want to go to Los Angeles and visit Muppet Studios. We want to go talk and hang out with Kermit and and friends. And he got to live the fantasy. <laughs> exactly. He he was he was living our fantasy. Exactly. So from the very beginning, that that entire opening sequence with "Life's a Happy Song," you have the way the town jumps in is very Muppety. I mean, all of this is very Muppety. Mm-hmm. The the way the town jumps in and starts singing, the way Gary continues as he sort of enters the classroom, and oh, oh sorry, I, I was just super excited. <laughs> and yeah, uh, the, yeah. the introduction of Mary and the the way I mean, she she just taught the kids how to change a twelve volt starter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I never got the car thing. I mean, it's funny, but I was like, who thought of that? That's crazy. I, that's, I mean, 
Yeah, it's very, very funny stuff. But also, like, you know how Gary, like, gives her flowers and they're, like, all crushes. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I think they got crushed from the musical number I was doing outside. <laughs> you know, right. like, very rarely do you come across movies, like I said, that are so self-aware like that. But I think that it was smart for the movie to start off that way to kind of show us, like, it's it's going to be over the top and fun, but that's okay. You can kind of go along with this and have fun and not have to think too seriously about it, which I think is important with a lot of Muppet movies, especially, like, a movie like this. Right. And it's just everything that is great about the Muppets right off the bat. I mean, that Life's a Happy song is just such a good song. And it establishes so many things right at the beginning. And it's just everything I love about the Muppets right away. Yeah, me too. And then shortly after, once we're in Los Angeles, they're at the Muppet Studios. Alan Arkin has thrown sprinkles out of his pocket unenthusiastically. (laughs) And uh, we, we meet Tex Richmond for the first time. And he's the, I mean, Chris Cooper, I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything comedic ever until this movie and mm-hmm. he was so well suited for it for some reason it was like he was born to act opposite of a puppet frog yeah i think he just it's a part of it is because he played it so straight you know i mean he didn't really have any you know really goofy moments like even when he was going like maniacal laugh maniacal laugh like he was being serious you know and that's just what made it so funny yeah he's cartoonish enough to be funny uh, the same with everything in this movie everything's cartoonish enough to be funny but nothing feels unbelievable Mm -hmm. like everything feels this is authentic muppets we are in the world and this is just the way things are this is the way people act this is the way people dance in the streets it's just what they do in a muppets movie and yeah i'm i'm glad to see it anything else about the story i mean i've got plenty to say but i i want to make sure i don't hog the microphone (laughs) no no no, it's okay i feel like i said a lot of what i wanted to say i mean just overall what i think what people connected so much with it, at least especially with the Walter character, is not only did Muppet fans connect with the fact that Walter grew up with the Muppets and had such a deep connection with them, I think that even if you're not a Muppets fan, I think that there's a lot of people who can connect with that idea. Because, you know, there's so many of us who grew up with feeling like we didn't belong, but then there was like either a franchise or a book or a movie or TV characters or something like that, or, you know, books, things that we read, just you feel like you have a deeper connection with. And I think that just the way that Walter described how much of a difference the Muppets made to him, I think that that just kind of, it really related to people, just that idea that if you don't belong in this place where you have to, you know, live every day and be a normal person that that, you know, in this, either whether it's fictional or not, there's other things that you just connect better with. And I think that that's one of the reasons that Walter had such a deep connection with uh, viewers of the film. Yeah. I mean, the story here is very simple. It's easy to follow Walter's journey because, I mean, the way it's introduced, we have Gary and Walter Muppets fans. Mary and Gary have been together for a long time. Ten years. Tex Richmond is going to tear down the Muppet Studios and the Muppets need to raise $10 million. They have a road trip to get everybody and then they have the show and that's the movie. And it's so simple, but it, it there's so much packed into that that outline yeah that it's it's never boring it's it's always hysterically funny watching it again today for i don't know probably the 25th time 30th time i don't know (laughs) i'm still laughing just as hysterically at the same jokes i laughed at that first time i saw it in the theaters oh yeah me too i mean it's been a while since i've watched it myself but certainly whenever i think of moments of it i'm like i start giggling to myself because i think that 
what's great about it too is, you know, it's not so much the story, but it's the flow of the film. Like it has just the right amount of, you know, comedic moments, but then like emotional moments, like moments where you get to pause and think about the situation. And it's just not nonstop go, go, go comedy. You know, I think that what helps with the flow and the story is that it has a lot of those quiet moments that um, help us just absorb what the characters are going through, whether they're like brief or really long, like Mary just like having 30 seconds to think and then ending with a comedic joke or Kermit being all sulky, which, you know, almost made me cry personally, <laughs> that scene. Yeah, no, like bottom line, it has a very good flow to it. And I think that that just, uh, yeah, also helped the movie a lot. Yeah, I'll, I'll close with saying I was originally going to sort of write a list of the things that made me laugh the most, but then it just turned into too long and I don't think my notebook's big enough. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote down the three things that I remembered making me laugh the most the first time I saw it. And that was when Jim Parsons appeared in Manor Muppet. I was crying in the theater. I was laughing so hard during that song. I don't know what it was, but Jim Parsons popping up as the human version of Walter. I mean, it, it, it just it still makes me laugh. But what's funny it's about great. that song, it's well, one, it's an Academy Award winner. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And two, it's just it's. When you're done laughing, it makes you want to cry because these are guys having like an existential crisis. Mm -hmm. They've only known each other. And now Gary is growing up realizing, okay, I need to be here for Mary. We've been together for 10 years and here I am not having proposed to her even yet. I mean, it's like, wow. And then Walter is just hanging around with his brother and he's not really made much of a life for himself at this point. And so he's realizing, well, I'm not exactly like Gary. We're brothers, but obviously I'm different and these people over here are not so different from me. Mm -hmm. And so that Manor Muppet song really sort of brings that to the forefront. And it's a really powerful song. Even when I'm done laughing, it, I sort of want to shed a tear right afterwards. Yeah, that song is like just the perfect mix of comedy and drama. You really connect with what it is they're going through. But at the same time, you're laughing, you know, that could be done so wrong but i think that's probably the reason it won the academy award is because it was just this pivotal point in the story and it just did this great job of making us laugh and also making us feel for them right and that movie this movie does that the whole time i mean there there are obviously a lot of moments when i'm just laughing and laughing and laughing and i can't stop mm -hmm. but every other moment in the film like pictures in my head has literally made me like ugly cry before listening to yeah. pictures in my head me That's just too. such a depressing song because, I mean, here's Kermit. We haven't seen him in a long time. He's been gone for a long time, and he's realizing, well, so much for any chance we had of going back to the good old days because our livelihood's about to be gone forever. And I haven't seen the guys in a long time, and heck, I haven't seen Piggy in a long time. And it's a hugely emotional scene. I just think about if I ever lost contact with my best friends and uh, how I would feel if that were to happen, and especially if the thing that connected us was disappearing. So th that song especially brings the emotions on to me. It does for me too. And I think that um, I remember when the movie came out and I was starting to get involved with the Muppet community and there were some people who had problems with that song because they felt that Kermit was too sad. And I personally have to respectfully disagree with that because I personally sympathize with Kermit because I think that at least with a character like Kermit, his biggest 
you know, what really drives him is his friends and also being able to make people happy. And I just feel like, well, here's a guy who like, that's like his greatest joy in life is being able to entertain and being able to do with his friends. So how would you expect someone to feel if they felt like such a failure to like everybody that he knew and everyone that he worked with? And, you know, he was the glue that held everyone together. And if he wasn't able to do that, then of course he would feel sad. Of course he would feel depressed if that livelihood that you worked so hard for and what really got you out of bed every day just wasn't, you know, your daily routine, then why wouldn't you be upset about that? So I think that if, Kerm if Kermit had a point where like, he could never get depressed, then he wouldn't be a very interesting character, I feel like. We all have our breaking points in one way or another, you know, uh -huh. whether it be extreme or not. And that's just my personal intake on that song. Like, I think it totally works. And I think that Kermit's depression is totally relatable and totally realistic. Because, again, like I said, we all have our breaking points. Right. And I mean, what's cool, again, about this movie is time has passed. This isn't like a direct sequel that takes place right after the previous Muppets film. Right. This is time has passed. They have moved on. They aren't in the forefront anymore. And so I think it's completely realistic for Kermit to have developed some nostalgia for the good old days and the fact that they're not in the good old days anymore. That wears on me sometimes. I think back to some good old times I had maybe in high school or whatever, or college, and I'm not there anymore. I'm, but this is the life I'm living now, and I, I, I'm, I'm happy living it. And that doesn't mean I, I can't be nostalgic for the old days. And that's that's what that song is for Kermit. You know, going back to, you know, what you were saying, like, he feels bad about, you know, they can't relive the good old days. I think that what also, at least for me personally, what I think helps us connect with the characters and their journey in this movie is that I really feel like they were trying so hard to save something that was sacred to them. And that's what they were working so hard for, because, you know, they all were kind of like sad that they couldn't make people happy. And they were sad that they couldn't work together anymore. And I think that that's more relatable than say if they had been like, oh, well, we miss being famous. Come on, let's be famous again. You know, because I feel like we would have not connected with them. That's one of the reasons I have an issue with the the first Muppet film, because they were all like, we're going to go to Hollywood and be rich and famous. And it's just like, I don't really connect with that. You know, I want to connect right. with somebody who like actually has a drive to, you know, live out the dream of making people happy or doing something that actually like fulfills you, not because it makes you famous. And that's, again, why I think this works so well in this movie is because that's what they want to do is they want to make people happy and they want to at least try to save that thing that was sacred to them back in the day when they were able to make people happy. And that's another point to this film showing time passing. I mean, they, they've matured. They, they start off wanting fame, but then once they achieve their fame, they're realizing, you know, it's not the fame that's keeping me here. It's the people that I'm working with. And exactly. That's so good. And there's so many references to the first film specifically in this movie. There's the road trip. There's the standard rich and famous contract. There's rainbow connection. Mm -hmm. This is largely a reference back to the, especially the original The Muppets movie. It's showing the journey that they've come on in all that, all that time in the 30 plus years since that film originally premiered. So yeah, once again, th this movie just did such a good job of communicating all of that to us. Yes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say real quick, the, the other two scenes that made me laugh the most mm -hmm. uh, were Texas song. Chris Cooper just all of a sudden busting yes. out into a rap made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me, me laugh, laugh just too. thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say real quick, I mean, we're about to talk about characters specifically, and we may, we can maybe use this to transition. The mm -hmm. album release of the soundtrack has an extended version of his song that actually explains the whole maniacal laugh thing. See, what happened was when he was a kid, his parents had the Muppets come to his birthday party, but he didn't know how to laugh at their jokes. 
And everybody laughed at him for not knowing how to laugh. Mm -hmm. And so the reason he just says maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh, and the reason he hates the Muppets is because they couldn't make him laugh as a child at his birthday party. So uh, Mm -hmm. cool little backstory there. I I, I sort of wish that had been in the film because the maniacal laugh does come across a little strangely. I mean, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's still funny. But yeah, I, I like having that sort of background to it. And so thank you, Mr. McKenzie and friends for the soundtrack release. Yeah, and I agree. I think that should have been there, too, because there are lines in there like, you know, you ca- I remember Dudley like pushes him off of the radio tower and he's like, you know, you've got a problem with the Muppets because you can't laugh. But like, I just feel like there's all these lines in there that were kind of throwaways that didn't really explain, oh, he can't laugh. That's why he doesn't like the Muppets. Like that would have been enough, but they don't really explain it. So I am surprised, too, that they didn't include that backstory, because I think that would have, I don't know, that would have definitely give us a bit more of like, oh, okay, so that's why he hates the Muppets. But I don't know, maybe they just didn't feel like it was really needed. Because, I mean, the work, the film still works, you know, as is, but it definitely would have given us people who think hard about these things a little bit of an idea of what his backstory was. Right. And uh, before we move on to characters, one last thing. The Forget You Chicken adaptation was the other thing that made me laugh super yes. hard that first time. Uh- <laughs> that made me laugh so hard, too. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about some characters. Let's talk about Walter first. What do you have to say about Walter? Walter is the cutest little thing. That's what I have to say about him. Well, I did already kind of say my thoughts about him. And that's that, you know, originally I thought he was weird. And I was like, what is the point of this character? And why is there a fan of the Muppets? But then again, like I said, he kind of represents the fan inside of all of us. And as somebody who knows Peter Lentz and knows how much, knowing how much he values the Muppets, basically Peter Lentz is Walter. Like he loves the Muppets and he grew up watching them and wanted to work with them and he got to live out that dream. So, and honestly, if you know Peter also and like listen to Walter, like they're almost exactly the same. Like Peter, I'm not kidding, has like the kindest voice I've ever heard in my entire life. And that's exactly what Walter is. So I don't know what more to say about Walter than I've already said, except for the person behind Walter, they couldn't have picked a better person because he really literally is Walter just in puppet form. And his name is Walter. (laughs) That's so cool. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. they had quite a feat on their hands introducing a new character a new Muppet yeah. into this Muppets movie after it having been so long. Obviously, so much of this is fed by nostalgia, but to introduce a new character and to have that new character be sort of the focus of the new movie, sort of a risky move. But I mean, right off the bat, we talked about this. He's funny. He's sweet. His relationship with Gary is endearing and it's believable, despite the fact that one's a Muppet and one's a human. And it's genuine. Yeah, it's genuine. We're, we're totally invested in him right off the bat. He is a very manly Muppet in the sense that he feels like a human character. Mm-hmm. He, he's human-like. We connect with him. And we don't have a lot of Muppets, not, not the primary ones. I mean, we have Kermit, who's a frog. We have Piggy, who's a pig. We have Fozzie, who's a bear. We have Gonzo, who's a whatever. Mm-hmm. We don't have like a primary Muppet who is a human character. And so it was really smart of them to introduce Walter the way they did and give him the backstory they did so that we especially identified with him. Yeah. And uh, we're all the more accepting of him by the time the end of the film comes and he's had his journey and his arc and he's ready to be accepted as one of the Muppets. And I really love Walter for that reason. I do too. There's a reason that I have a Walter stuffed animal and he sits on my bed every day. 
Oh, that's awesome. You know, I, I want to comment on just one of the models that appears in the, the film when, during the whistling Caruso at the end. That puppet is so cool because the, when he closes his mouth, it goes into the whistle shape. But when he opens oh his mouth, it's, it's the normal mouth shape. I think that's the coolest mm-hmm. like piece of simple engineering, I'm sure. But it just works so well in the moment. And it's really cool to, to witness. It does. And I've certainly never personally seen a puppet like that before. I think that that took a lot of creativity with building a puppet that could do that. I don't know the exact specifics, but I remember talking to somebody who told me that the way that Walter's constructed is actually very much in the same way that Kermit is constructed in that, you know, you can move your fingers around inside of a puppet like that and you can become a lot more expressive with it because of it, you know, rather than characters like Fozzie or Gonzo who probably have like a foam head and therefore it's a lot harder to do stuff like that with it. But if you watch Walter, he does a lot of interesting things with his mouth and with his face in that movie. And he just is such an expressive puppet, really. Mm-hmm. That's always been one of my favorite things about Kermit as well, is how expressive that face can be because of the way the puppet is built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What characters do you like? Oh, gosh. I mean, of course, Walter. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I mean, I, I know my top three Muppets, first of all. Oh, yeah? Kermit's my favorite. Uh-huh. You can't go wrong with Kermit. He's like the Tom Hanks of the Muppets. And... <laughs> He's just like he, he just listening to him talk, whether it's Jim Henson or Steve Whitmire, you just fall in love with him. And he just has such a good heart, his character. And he's also relatable because he too goes off the edge and can get stressed out. And even though he tries so hard to make things work for everybody, he too can go over the edge and explode every once in a while. And then I love Miss Piggy for a lot of reasons. I love her because, first of all, she's a woman and she's like one of the few female characters in that show uh-huh. or in that franchise, excuse me. But I think what I love so much about her is the confidence that she has in herself. And even though there are moments where we think like, oh, she's so silly, she thinks she's a star, but she really does have a lot of strong moments where she's like, I don't really give a darn what you people think of me. Like, I know that I'm beautiful and I know that I'm a star and I'm going to prove to you that I'm a star. And she has a lot of moments where you know, she does sing really well and she does have, you know, kind of weird to think of it this way, but she does have very sexy moments too, not just in this movie, but in the franchise. And uh-huh. I just personally think she's a great role model for women and girls in general because, you know, again, her confidence that she has in herself and she's not exactly, you know, a Barbie type girl. Um, you know, she's very curvy and she's a bit voluptuous and she shows that that's okay and you can still be a star and still be fabulous even though you're that type of woman. And um, I think that I've always admired that about her. And it really ticks me off when the writers don't know what to do with her because it's like, oh, she's a girl. She's a girly girl. Let's do girly things with her. It's like, no, there's a lot more to her character than that. There's a lot more vulnerability to her. And then after that, my favorite character is Bobo, which is just because he's funny and makes me laugh whenever he talks. (laughs) Um, And I'm really happy that he was in this movie because... He should have been more in Muppets Most Wanted and wasn't, but he was very, very funny in this movie. And those are basically those are my top three Muppets. I mean, again, you can't go wrong with Gonzo and Fozzie and Pepe for obvious reasons, but those are definitely the top three that I always tell people are my favorites. I always love these Muppet movies because they give them different opportunities to bring minor Muppets to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Muppet Treasure Island brings Sam the Eagle into a very prominent role. And I would never call him a minor Muppet, but he's not never in the forefront as much as he is in 
Muppet Treasure Island. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's one of my favorite Muppets for that reason. He's not as prominent here, but Bobo is one of those other characters who most of the time you're going to see him in the background. But here he has a very strong presence in the TV show, the short-lived, unfortunately, TV show. He had a pretty size. I mean, we saw him pretty frequently, right? Mm -hmm. In the in, uh, Muppets Tonight. Yes. So yeah, I always like bringing those minor characters. And Uncle Deadly is another one of those. Now, going back to Piggy, Obviously, she's made a great life for herself. So her confidence in herself isn't misplaced at all. She's made herself successful. I mean, she's in a prominent fashion office in Paris and has people under her and she has to have people schedule appointments to talk to her. And so you're right. I mean, she's a great role model because not only is she confident in herself, which is very important, but she's confident in herself because she's good at what she does. Yeah. Not that those have to be mutually exclusive. I'm just saying, you know, she not only places that confidence in herself, but we see the outcome of her confidence. We see the positive effects of her confidence. And uh, so you're right. That That's a very strong role model for a lot of uh, young girls, especially. Yeah. And then we, even though they never really explain it in the movie, we definitely see that there's history between her and Kermit in the film. And what I like about this movie is that actually Kermit kind of has to chase her. Like, even not so much in the romantic sense, but more in the we really need you to help us kind of way. And she stands on her own two feet and she says, you know, basically, like, if you can't give me what I want, then it's not going to work out. You know, I think I think that that's when I when I saw this movie, that's when I realized just how strong of a character she was, because she really got to this point where, you know, she wasn't just like obsessing over this frog and like you know, basically blindly doing whatever he told her to do. She basically finally had the courage to say, like, things were not working out the way that they needed to. So therefore, if you can't work with me the way that I need you to work with me, then this isn't going to work out. And again, I think it's really important for women to be able to see that you can do that. You know, you can say that in a relationship and you can say that if we can't compromise and make this work together, then this isn't going to work because there's too many both men and women out there who blindly just follow the lead of someone else and it's not healthy little deep <laughs> yeah this is a movie where we see kermit has to grow up a lot yeah piggy has already moved on she's made that realization you know i don't need kermit to make a life for myself and so she when she's given the opportunity she turns him down because hey you did not treat me the greatest when we were together and you said some things to me the last time we spoke and i'm not ready to go back in that until you admit to me that you're the one who misses me and you're the one who needs me Piggy has already moved on and now it's Kermit's turn to catch up. And that's one aspect of this film that I really like is that, you know, you have Gary and Walter and you have Gary and Mary and they have their own struggles. And from that struggle and its resolution, we see Kermit realize I need to do the same thing. I need to admit to myself that I need Piggy. I need that companionship. I don't need it because of all my friends here who also need her for different reasons. I need her because I need her and I miss her. Yeah. And it's really great. I mean, this is a puppet movie. <laughs> you don't expect <laughs> to get that kind of stuff from a puppet movie. Yeah. But, but we do. And it's so good because of it. I know. And that moment, like when Kermit's finally pouring out his feelings to her and telling her how he really feels, I could seriously watch that scene all day, not just because of the emotions, but just because of the subtleties of the puppets and how real they make it. And like you were saying, it's just it's this journey for Kermit too, where he really has to he realizes he has to step up and really just take responsibility in this relationship and kind of just like let let go of his pride if he wants to keep her in his life. And yeah, it's it's so like adult in so many ways. Like it's what the the new TV show unfortunately was missing. 
was just that really mature moments that I think really made all the difference in this, like in this kind of film. Yeah. And so speaking of adults, let's go ahead and talk about Gary and Mary just a little bit. Sure. Now for both of these characters, what I think is funny about them, I think Jason Siegel's character reminded me a lot of Bob Hoskins in Who From Roger Rabbit, where he just naturally fits into this universe. I mean, he, <laughs> Bob Hoskins interacts with cartoons. He's hanging out with Roger Rabbit and Bugs Bunny, and you don't doubt its legitimacy for a split second. And it's the same way here. Jason Siegel fits right in with the Muppets. He is indeed a Muppety man. Yes. Very much so. And I mean, especially if you've seen Jason Siegel in interviews, you know how much of a fan he is of the Muppets. So you could kind of tell watching this movie that this was somebody who was like, so ready, I think, to finally be able to do something like this. And, and like you said, he really is kind of in this world of like, yeah, the Muppets are a thing. And I've always loved them. And I'm so happy to be around them and to help them too. It's like, they're really excited. I think even though Gary and Mary are trying to have an anniversary, they're still like so ready to jump in and help the Muppets as much as they possibly can. And I just love that both him and Walter are like very wide-eyed, innocent kind of characters. And like they are adults, but they're also just like kids and how enthusiastic they are about the Muppets and about each other, even as brothers. And there are also moments when Amy Adams' character, Mary, reminds me a lot of Giselle from Enchanted. Where, yeah. I mean, again, she just fits into the universe. I mean, she's not as goofy fitting in as Jason Siegel is, but she, again, I don't doubt the legitimacy of her belonging in this world. Her relationship with Gary is great. You see, I mean, she's an independent woman too. She's the one who walks out and says, Gary, you need to make a choice here. And mm-hmm. all the better for her. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And she fixes cars. Oh, and she fixes cars, of course. That's That's right. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's awesome. You see that the the female characters here are the the catalysts for the change in the men. They they move on, they grow up and they say, "Now you need to come and join me here because you're not basically you're not on my level." In a good way. I mean, they're they're realizing that these men aren't at the maturity level that they should be and helping them to reach that point. Yeah. So, any other characters or anything you want to say about characters? I mean, of course, everyone has their journeys in this movie, you know, Gonzo and Fozzie and all those guys. I mean, they're just not touched on as much as everyone else. But like, I, I, I love that Gonzo actually was running like some kind of plumbing business or of some kind <laughs> or plunger business. Right. I don't know. That just seems so fitting. And I love that he kind of was like wearing the suit. And you actually saw that, if, at least if you know Gonzo, that he was like, he's always been really goofy and out there and then wearing a suit every day that kind of restrained him. So then he's finally encouraged to be himself and he just breaks loose, literally, and just is like, cool, I'm going to go out and do what I really love. And I think that that's kind of something to be admired, too, to have the courage to go out and finally do what you really like doing. Yeah, I, lo- I love Gonzo's scene and I love how he actually blows up. The- <laughs> he blows up his company, which is so <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, he has the, the self-destruct button. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you didn't have to do that. Like, he, like, literally, like, in, like, 30 seconds was like, okay, cool, I'm going to go off now, bye. And then, like, <laughs> it blew everything up. It's like, oh, okay, um, that was probably too much, but all right, all right, Gonzo, that seems more like you anyway. That's one more thing I could say about at least all the returning Muppet characters is even though this isn't Jim Henson, this isn't even his son, I mean, this is entirely independent of the original creative team, aside from a couple of the Muppet performers. But still, all the characters feel authentic to the characters I knew as a kid. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm so thankful for that. And this could easily have been a film where we get the same faces, we get the same names, but they just don't feel the same. And I'm glad that 
they do largely feel the same. We get the Kermit and Piggy we love. We get the Fozzie and the, the bad bear jokes that we get all the time and the Waka Wakas. We, yeah. we get everything that we, we came to love about these characters and Gonzo making overreactions and throwing bowling balls. And I mean, it, it's just everything's so authentic to the Muppets. And I'm so thankful to Jason Siegel for his love and devotion to these characters. Oh, me too. And I think also that kind of attributes to the fact that, you know, there's a few of the performers who have been there since the beginning, but then there's some new ones, but you can just tell that they have such a passion for those characters. And I think what I've always said is that even if there's like a bad special or a bad movie, and it doesn't really feel like the characters, like they would actually do something like that. I think that the actors or the puppeteers, whether they're aware of it or not, have always still done an insanely great job of making the characters sincere and genuine as best they can. And I think that that really shined through in this movie. And also, I think that, like you were saying earlier, we really got a sense in this movie that time has gone by with these characters. Like, this wasn't just a movie of the Muppets, like, doing a special, like, any old day, like, 30 years ago. This was, like, this is a movie that literally takes place at least 20-plus years from, like, the Muppet show. Right. Things change. People change. And characters change. And attitudes change and we really get that from these characters and i think that's why even though there's some differences it really works in this film yeah i love the characters so much i love the puppets i love the new characters so much i mean there's just so much to love about the the characters and their performances in this movie and the way they they react to each other i mean even again showing time has passed when they get together for their first rehearsal it's a mess yeah as it would be if you hadn't performed in 20 25 years Mm -hmm. so yes very authentic very classic Muppets, and I'm so appreciative for that. Me too. So let's talk about the music now. Brett McKenzie, Fly to the Concords. I don't know if anybody would have seen such a good Muppet soundtrack coming from this movie or would have predicted it, but wow, if this isn't the best Muppet soundtrack there is, would you agree mm-hmm. or disagree with that? Definitely. If I had to choose, like, specifically... You know, it's hard to say, like, what is the best out there. I mean, obviously, this is the one that finally got them to win an Academy Award. I mean, that doesn't say too much. But I knew that that song was going to win, though. I was, you know, you always are still fearful. But I knew it was going to win because, like I was saying before about the one song, Man or Muppet, it really was this, it's, first of all, it's a song that comes at a great pivotal point in the movie. It's a great mix of the comedy and the drama. And, you know, the lyrics, of course, are also brilliant. And it's just freaking funny. Just so many songs in this one. Like the first one, Life's a Happy Song. Like I remember also, I think when I first saw the movie, thinking like, oh yeah, this is what the Muppets are about. Really over the top musical numbers. That's awesome. (laughs) And, And then of course the emotional stuff and then the montages and everything. It's hard to say for sure, like what is the soundtrack out there with the best one? I mean, maybe if I had to choose, maybe the Muppet movie because it's Paul Williams Mm -hmm. and they really do have like, like all those songs are memorable in that movie. But this one is like such a close, oh gosh, all the songs in this movie are incredible. Even songs that kind of like ended up getting axed a bit, like the, um, I I love the Tex Richmond song. And it's funny because there's so many Muppet fans out there who are kind of like, eh, I didn't really like it. But I'm like, why? They're like, because it's really random and it's out of nowhere. I'm like, that's the point of it. Right. And then at the end of it, Kermit says, you could have just said that. Exactly. Said, no. <laughs> That's the joke. That's what's so funny. Like, it catches you so off guard, and then it does its thing, and then it's like, well, you could have said no. I'm like, That's what makes it <laughs> funny. Why do people not get that? Just there's, I think what's great about all the songs is that they're all different, and they all have a different purpose, and they all give off a different emotion. 
And they just all serve the narrative really well. I mean, it's hard to really pick a favorite. If I had to absolutely pick one, it would maybe be, um, I think probably Life's a Happy Song. But what about you? Do you have a favorite song um, from the movie? I did write three down. I know, yeah. cheating. I wrote Life's a Happy Song just because it's a perfect opener. It's an intro to new characters and story. And it sort of establishes the foundation of the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's also a great closer when we get to the, the end of the film. You get a hearty rendition of Life's a Happy Song again. Yeah. Then there's pictures in my head which I've talked about how emotional that makes me. It's just a a tearful callback to old friends and past relationships and even regrets a little bit. I mean, we're talking about regrets in a Muppet movie Mm -hmm. and it's so potent in the moment. And then the third one would be Man or Muppet for the same reasons you were talking about. It's just a pivotal moment in the film. And even though it makes me laugh, it doesn't take away from its potency at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, compared to if I had to name another Muppet movie, at least the older Muppet movies, I'll I'll always have a soft spot for Muppet Treasure Island, but there are a couple of dull songs in that. (laughs) But I would say the Muppet movie has a lot of good, strong songs as well. I I like Moving Right Along. I like Can You Picture That? Rainbow Connection, of course. Mm -hmm. My favorite song ever. Definitely. And there's a lot of classic Muppet songs, but I think that this one, as far maybe it's just because it's so recent in my memory and because I love the film so much as a whole, it stands out more to me. But um, even in the the sequel, Muppets Most Wanted, Brett McKenzie goes on to write the songs for that. And I think the soundtrack for the sequel, though it doesn't, the, the story of the sequel doesn't live up to what we were given here. The music's just as good. Yeah. Um, so Brett McKenzie, I think, really sort of found a home in the Muppet world. Well, it's interesting, too. Yeah, I, I think that Brett McKenzie did a great job with the songs. I think that, at least for me, in the movie, the one that we're talking about, The Muppets, there wasn't really any songs that I felt like didn't need to be there, except maybe the Me Party song. I mean, I got why it was there, so I give it a pass, and it was quick and short. But when uh-huh. you get to Muppets Most Wanted, there's definitely songs that I'm like, eh, we could have done without that one, or at least I just, like you were saying, they didn't really like live up to the first movie, but... I don't think they were trying to, but at the same time, it was still a little underwhelming compared. Like the uh, the Big House song, I was kind of like, eh, that was kind of dull. What's so genius about Muppets Most Wanted is they sort of give themselves a caveat at the very beginning saying, although the sequel is never quite as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we give it a pass. <laughs> right. So aside from the Brett McKenzie songs, there's great soundtrack, like songs that already existed usage in here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, me and Julio down by the schoolyard is a great opening by Paul Simon. We built mm-hmm. the city accompanies the cleanup scene so well. Smells like Teen Spirit is hysterical because it's a barbershop quartet, and we use Beaker as the censor for all the bad mm-hmm. words that are in that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they also use just a very small portion of "Back in Black." I think is the name of the song. Oh yeah, they did during one of the road trip sequences. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, of course, "Forget You," which is so funny mm-hmm. and then a great closer in Menomina. i mean that's like almost as classic muppets as you get and exactly. that that is our end credits first song and it's so good it's mary's answer to gary's proposal and uh we get to see a lot of familiar faces in that which is a lot of fun mm-hmm. hits you right in the feels of nostalgia for those it of us does. who grew up with the muppets it does. And then we get that the closing clip of that song is Jason Siegel sitting with the two characters, hugging them like, oh, we did it. We mm-hmm. made a Muppets movie together. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I think the iteration of Rainbow Connection here might, might be my favorite. Yeah. What do you think? I think so. You know, actually, 
I think I'm going to have to agree because, at least for me personally, because I definitely listened to that version so many times once I finally purchased the soundtrack. I am sad that in the movie they didn't use the full version that's on the soundtrack because right. they, def- they kind of burst out of there. And I think it would have been pretty effective if they did have that full song because Kermit sings a verse and Piggy sings a verse and everybody comes in. I just think that would have been so much more effective if they had done that. And that song really has one of my favorite moments in the entire movie, which is right before everybody comes out on stage, everybody holds hands and then walks out together because they're basically making this great big leap of faith together and they all know it. And we all are kind of coming to this point where we know that, like, we know that there's the the moment when we find out whether or not this is going to work or not is coming. So... It's just kind of a we're all in this together kind of moment. Like, I remember getting so emotional just watching the characters do that. And, I mean, again, they're puppets. Like, you know, people wouldn't normally expect to get so emotionally drawn by puppets. But the fact is, that's what puppets do, especially when they're done right, is they really do kind of touch you in a place you didn't know you could be touched. And especially when you know this journey that they're on together and what the stakes are. And just seeing them connect on that level, it's just... I don't even know how I have a word for it. It's just, it's magical, really. You know, that's the moment. That, that, that's the word I think I can I can use. It, it really is just that moment that you're not expecting puppets to do. But when they do it, it's just really, really emotional. Well, they sort of played on our expectations, too, because this follows the, the resolution between the conflict of Kermit and Piggy. Mm-hmm. And we've known they're going to sing a duet together. So we're sort of racking our brains. What, what if... Piggy and Kermit sang as a duet in the past. It, it's a right moment to bring back something from the past, but what's a duet that they sang together that they're going to bring back? And then all of a sudden Kermit's on stage playing banjo and our hearts melt because it's what he opened the Muppets movie with. Yeah, yeah. And so we've come across this journey, not only in this movie, but across all of Muppets. If you're a Muppet fan, you live for that moment because Piggy and Kermit have just resolved their conflict. They're back together, essentially, they're singing Rainbow Connection, and then everybody else comes on stage and says, you know, here we are. We're all here together. This is our song. We're all taking ownership of this. And it's all talking about the lovers, the dreamers, and me. And mm-hmm. it, it's just a powerful moment because of the journey that they've come across, not only in this movie, again, but across all of the Muppet films. It's a very powerful moment. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think, when I was watching in the theater, that's just kind of when I almost lost it. I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> these characters that I love so much. They're so beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Every time I watch it, 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 <laughs> it, it gets to me. Yeah, me too. Now, I'll, I'll just talk about the the songs I don't want to shortchange Christoph Beck's score because his score does a really good job of accenting various scenes. I mean, you get bits and pieces of the other songs interspersed into other scenes. Like there's this moment towards the end when Gary and Mary have gone back to their hometown and they're eating dinner together because it's their anniversary and this is after Manor Muppet. So Gary has decided he's chosen Mary for his life. Mm-hmm. And there's as they're watching the TV and they're seeing, oh, nobody's in the audience. Poor Walter. I mean, poor Muppets. This isn't going as well as they had hoped. And there's a little hint of everything's great. Play it on like the oboe or something in the mm-hmm. background as Mary decides Gary made his choice. Good for him. Now I'm going to accommodate him and go back and help his brother. Yeah. And so there's moments like that. And then after they've been defeated and they realize they weren't able to get the money and they're walking off stage a a piano instrumental version of pictures in my head starts playing again but it just holds an entirely different context this time because they're back together 
yeah. pictures in my head is referencing the memories that they've had and that they have continued to make together now that they reunited. Even though they didn't succeed at what they were setting out to do, they're holding their heads high because they're back together. And that's why pictures in my head make so much sense there. Because when we heard it at the beginning, Kermit was alone. But here Kermit is with all of his friends. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, another great moment. And Christoph Beck is just such a, a great instrumentalist. He's a great com- composer. Yeah. He fits this world very well again. And he he fits the sequel very well, too. I think he does a great job of accenting the songs while still building up his own stuff. Like during Kermit's speech right after that moment when he's giving his motivational speech about, you know, we're going to walk out of here holding our heads high. And the, the the music builds under his speech until they open the door and wow, there's a crowd outside waiting for us. Everybody loves us. And mm-hmm. it, it, he, he does such a good job of building those scenes and adding the little taste of what makes it stand out a little bit more. And you really couldn't have described it any better than I could because I don't consider myself a music expert by any means. I definitely could talk more about songs that have lyrics to them, but I think that you're absolutely right in that he's very good at accenting music and bringing up, there was a song that someone sang and then bringing a score version of that in certain parts of the movie in just the right moments. I think you're absolutely right that he does a really good job at doing that and bringing us back to, you know, those moments in the film where those emotions were relevant and we need to think about those emotions again. And I think that bringing those songs up help us do that a lot. And I love just his style too and just how whimsical his music is. I was actually just watching the Peanuts movie yesterday, which he also Uh scored. And he really does have such a distinct style, but just the way that he composes his music, just the right emotions just seem to come out whenever his music's there. And even though it does sound like a big orchestra, you know, in these movies where you don't really need an orchestra, it just, I don't know how to describe it. It just works, whether it's the instrumentals or the way he wrote it or whatever, but he's quite a genius. Very easy to be overshadowed as an instrumental composer in a film where the highlight are the the lyrical songs. But mm-hmm. he, he, he plays his role very well and does what he's supposed to do and makes the film all the better for it. Yeah. To sort of round off the discussion, let's talk about the relevance of the movie. So what sort of takeaways do you take from here? We've talked a little bit about some stuff. We did. The big important lesson, I think, of the movie is that, at least what the filmmakers want us to take away, is that it's really important to find your group. You know, not so much in a way like you should exclusify yourself to a clique or anything like that, but I think that it's important to find people who you connect with and to, you know, if you, if you have an interest or if there's a career that you want to follow, it's really important to immerse yourself in people who have the same dreams as you. And I think dream is the really important word because Kermit's the one who's always said since the beginning, dreams are better the more people you share them with. And I think right. that that's also very relevant here, even though they never actually say that specific quote. But I think like what I got from it also was what I was saying before about how it's just a very relatable story about fans and why certain things you know, means so much to us, even if it's not the Muppets, you know, there is a reason why we connect with things and why we do certain things in life because of those things. It's very subtle and like it's never addressed directly in the film, but I think that that kind of is an underlying theme that's really important, especially like now we live in this age of nostalgia and people who are big fans of a lot of different things. I think that that's one of the reasons the movie connected with so many people was because here's a fan who got to basically live out the fantasy in such a genuine way. I wrote down something very similar. I just said that the acting as a team and family and trying together and finding that group of people that you can call family. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I wrote down a couple of quotes that I I am going to read the whole thing out just because there are a few moments at the end of the film where 
there are these really powerful speeches. So this is from Kermit right after they've walked out of the theater because they didn't raise the money. He says, listen, everybody, we've got nothing to be ashamed of. And you know why? Well, because thanks to Walter here, we tried. And if we failed, we failed together. And to me, that's not failing at all. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if no one believes in us because I believe. I believe in you and you and you. You know, what's important isn't this building or name, it's each other. So I say, fine, let's just start from the bottom and work our way back up to the top. Let's all walk out through these doors with our heads held up high as a family, because that's what we are. And I mean, that, that's so powerful because that's, that is what this journey was about. It's about Kermit finding the people that he loves, whether that's the Muppets in general, or whether that's him and Piggy, or whether it's Gary and Mary or Gary and Walter. I mean, there's so many relationships here. There's so many families. They're all one big family, but there's their little families as well. Yeah. It's just the importance of finding that the people that you love and sticking with them and doing things with them and trying and not failing because if you try, you're not failing. I completely agree. Gosh, you like just like took the words right out of my mouth too. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I said before too, I think it was insanely important that they touched, you know, hardcore on that. They wanted to do this because this was something that they did together as a family from the beginning. And it was important to them to try to, to save that basically, even if it's just like this one last thing that they can do together. And even though it seems like in the end they failed, Kermit, you know, of course, they're all feeling defeated. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? It is not the name. It's not the building. It's each other. So as long as we stick together, then we're going to be okay. Even if we fail, at least we tried. And I always say that, you know, I, I've always looked at my life in that way, too. It's that, you know, at least as long as you tried, then you're not a failure. The only people who are failures are the people who don't try at all. Right. And I think it's really important for people to take that message away. It's like just because you don't succeed in the way that the world sees success, like that doesn't mean that you're a failure. It, You know, as long as you tried your best, then that's all that really matters. Yes. And then something else I wrote down was the idea of being sort of forthcoming and honest with your love for others. Uh, this is a lesson that Kermit especially really learns, where it's yeah. the, the, the I versus the we. It's I need you. I miss you. Not trying to find another reason. It's because you miss them. Be honest. Tell the truth. <laughs> it's not so much that he was lying maybe to himself a little bit, but Kermit just needed to realize Piggy likes me. Piggy loves me. Piggy wants to be with me, but she needs to be there because I need her there, not because I think that she needs to be there for other reasons. Mm -hmm. And so admitting to himself and then admitting to her that Piggy needs to be around because he needs her, not because the Muppets need her, but because he needs her and acknowledging the importance of their relationship with each other. Yeah. And that's such an adult thing to bring into a movie that's technically designed for kids. And yeah, when people say mature moments, it's like not so much swearing or anything or talking about sex or anything like that. It's stuff like that. It's like when you grow up and you realize someone else's self-worth is more important than yours in that situation, like that's a very adult thing. And I think that that was so important for us to see something like that in this movie. And and also, of course, for all of us that grew up watching Kermit and Piggy and wondering if they were actually going to be a couple or if they were a couple and then seeing something like this, like I think made our little hearts really happy. Definitely. And then the last thing I wrote down as far as takeaways would be sometimes we have to grow into the person we're meant to be rather than being the person we always were. Yeah. 
there's nothing wrong with the person we were. And sometimes it's okay to stay the person we were, but sometimes we need to realize it's time to move on and grow up and move on and believe in yourself. And I have another quote that I wrote down. This is Gary talking to Walter before he goes on stage to perform. He says, you always believe in other people, but that's easy. Sooner or later, you got to believe in yourself too, because that's what growing up is. It's becoming who you want to be. You have to try. You're my hero. And what, I mean, in that last 10 minutes of the film, you, you have these powerful speeches. You have Gary talking to Walter. You have Kermit talking to Piggy. And then you have Kermit talking to the group. And those three moments are like huge tearjerkers because this is what it was about. It's, it's about growing up. It's about loving each other. It's about working together. It's about finding a family. That's why this movie is so good because it tackles these very adult concepts while still making you laugh the whole way along. Mm-hmm. And then we feel so good when everything just kind of works out in the end. Right. And what's funny too is I feel like at the very end, spoiler alert, but the very, very end of the film, Tex Richman does end up giving back their studio. But I almost feel like that wasn't really needed because Kermit said we're going to come out on our own. And even if they didn't get the welcome back you know, crowd at the end there, I think that would have been okay too, maybe. But, you know, of course, we still need a happy ending because that's a Muppets film. But I still like that they see the value in what they've done. And that is, like we were saying, we see that time has gone by in this movie and we see that with all their fans that are out there waiting for them. Like, we can see, like, the impact that they've made on people and society. And and I think what Kermit was saying about how what's you know, not important is the building, it's each other. And I think that if they did not end up getting their studio back in the end, I think that would have been totally fine. Because we do see the impact that they as a family or as a group or however you want to see it, you know, wh- what they've achieved and just just what they've done for everybody in the world, basically. Yeah, that's my two cents on that matter, personally. By the end of the movie, the people who are gathered outside the theater, they get people who are gathered inside the theater and the people who have phoned in from home to donate their money. These are people who are with their families and they're they're introducing their children to the Muppets mm-hmm. because these are the, the characters that they grew up with. And it's just about building that culture of love and laughter and taking a little bit of the sweeter things more out of life. That's the takeaway, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying, too, about how growing up is becoming the person that we want to be. And I think that's insanely important lesson to take away from this film. Definitely. Do you have any final thoughts about this movie, Rachel? I don't know. I feel like I poured out so much of my thoughts <laughs> in this movie. I just I just love it so much. I think that, um, and I talked about this before, too, I feel like as a whole, as a movie, I think this is probably the best Muppet film out there. Like as far as story and structure, it's and it's interesting because very rarely do we get movies that are made specifically for the nostalgia of a franchise, and it turns out that that's one of the better films. But this one, that really is the case. And I don't want to like say that I'm because I'm totally biased, and it's very subjective when I say that I think that that's the best Muppet film. But I think that story wise, at least, and by what it was trying to get across and how it was delivered, I feel like that that's probably the best one out there. Because, I mean, I know lots of people have special places in their hearts for the Muppet movie and everything. And even the Muppet Christmas Carol, that's my personal favorite movie. But I just feel like, at least as far as film language and, like, story structure and, like, what it did and how it impacted the world and everything, I really feel like this is probably the best one out there. And until the day comes when an even better one comes along, for whatever reason, I stand by that. Because... It really changed me as a person, I think, and like how I viewed my self-worth, at least as far as like what I was doing with my life and my career and what I wanted to do with myself. So it just, 
it really is such a powerful film. And, and it's something else I say frequently is that I really do think that this is a movie anyone can enjoy. Because even if you're not a Muppet fan, there's just something about it that just resonates with people. And there's a lot of Muppet films out there that are like, eh, I think you have to get familiar with the Muppets first before you watch that film. But this one, I'm like, no, I think you can watch this even if you're not a Muppet fan. Because it does a great job of reintroducing you to the Muppets. So, yeah, I think it's probably the best of all of them. This film definitely has a lot more to take out of it if you are a Muppets fan, just because there's a lot of fan service, not in a negative context, but there's a lot of fan service in this movie where they are trying to play up the nostalgia factor for their longtime fans. But you're right that you don't have to be a Muppets fan to enjoy this movie and to, to take away those things that we've taken away and broken down here because it's a movie and the lessons withstand whether you've seen the old films or not. It's not like these were concepts introduced in the Muppet movie that were finally brought to fruition here. This movie does stand on its own. You just, you get that little bit of extra fun if you've seen the other ones. Mm-hmm, definitely. For me personally, my, my final thoughts would be this film beyond exceeded my expectations. I, I was so excited for it and I went into the theater and I laughed, I cried. And I've watched it so many times since. And it's funny. This is episode 14 of the podcast, technically 15 if you count episode zero. And I've talked about so many films that I love, but I don't know if I've talked about any films up to this point this passionately. There's just something about this movie that really brings out a side of me that I, I love to talk about this movie. I do too. It's just my absolute favorite Muppet film. It it has everything I want from them. It's self-referential. It's warm. They break the fourth wall as nobody else can. And it's just a heartwarming, touching, valuable story, I would say. And um, I I just don't think I could ever tire of it. I think I could probably watch this every day and I'd take something out of it every time. I completely agree. And you have, I'm the same way that I love talking passionately about this movie. And I think that that's because I think for the both of us, it really impacted us in ways that we didn't expect it to. And it made a bigger difference than we expected it to. So we have every right to say how passionate we are about this film. Anything else, Rachel? I think we've said it all. (laughs) I think we have. I mean, again, I love this movie and I will continue watching it and be remembered that this is what really won me. This is what really made me want to get back into doing puppetry. So it it holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah, that is so cool that it affected you in that way. Anyways, that is the end of the official 14th episode of Cinescope. Thanks again, Rachel, for appearing on the show. I, I was so glad to have you on. Thank you so much for bringing me on. I love talking about this stuff. It was awesome being here. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely have to get you back sometime in the future to talk either more Muppets or, or something else. I mean, there's, there's no limits here. We just sure. talk about the movies we love. <laughs> I love talking about lots of things. I love talking Star Wars, love talking anime, love talking Muppets. Bring it on. We can talk about lots of different things. Okay, we will definitely do that. So for the show, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast or at CinescopePod on Twitter. Go ahead, even though the giveaway is over, continue to rate and review on iTunes so you'll be entered into any future giveaways. And also subscribe. Even if you don't use iTunes, subscribing, just clicking the button will help us out a lot. Continue to email feedback and ideas to thecinescopepodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you're interested in hosting, let me know on any of the uh, uh, aforementioned contact uh, social media places. Uh, Congrats again to giveaway winner through the crate. And remember, you have one week to contact me to claim your movie. So don't lag behind. Make sure you get that taken care of. Rachel, where can people find you on the internet? 
All right. So uh, my main YouTube channel, if you want to come watch any of my content, is Adorkable Rachel. And you can also find me on Twitter at Adorkable Rach. Uh, not Rachel, unfortunately, that domain name is taken. It's just Adorkable Rach. And also Facebook, same thing, Adorkable Rachel. And um, everything else on my social media from Snapchat to Tumblr is all Adorkable Rachel besides Twitter. And my name is spelled R-A-C-H-E-L, not with an extra A like a lot of people. So um, please come find me. Come watch my stuff come make comments come make friends in my community please to come check everything out because i love hearing people's comments and discussing all this stuff with lots of people so i would love it if you guys came along with the journey with me yes definitely check out all of her stuff check her out on mouse music there's a lot of older episodes that you can listen to there and uh check out her youtube page and th there's just lots of fun stuff for you to catch up with rachel on and find out a little bit more about her and what she likes Oh, thank you. And yeah, of course, Mouse Music too on um, Sideshow Sound. We um, do about every month or so, we do podcasts. So yeah, please come check us out there as well. Great. The best place to find me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A and on Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. All the show notes, all this contact information can be found at thesinoscopepodcast.com. And that is all for this week. Thank you again, Rachel. Having you on the show has been awesome. Thank you so much, Chad, for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 14. I'm Chad Hopkins. This was Cinescope, and we'll be back next week with episode 15. Have fun and celebrate movies. Mm -hmm.